Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Wow. All right, there. If I delay long enough, I get a response, right? So if I crack jokes and wait long enough, you will laugh and make me happy, right? And make me feel good. That's all right. That's what I like to hear. Um, it is so good to be here with you today. I am so uh, th- thankful for the opportunity to be here. I was with you uh, back in December, uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas. I had the opportunity to be over here and speak with you. My name is Joel. I have, uh, I have had the opportunity to speak um, mostly at Conklin over the past year as Conklin was in the same situation that you find yourselves in. Where you are looking for, where you were looking for a campus pastor, and uh, throughout most of the previous year, I spent my time speaking over at Conklin, um, having a good time there. That is where my family and I—that is predominantly where we go to church. That is our, that is our local campus, uh, the Conklin campus, and we have gone there pretty much since it, uh, since it started, since that campus started. So we are, we are happy to be there, and I am thankful to be here with you this morning, on this cold morning. Uh, how many of you enjoy these cold temperatures? Yeah, you know they make warmth down in the south. That's what I think anyway on a regular basis. Two of you raised your hand on that, enjoy the temperatures. The rest of us, we just, three. The rest of us, we just put up with it and bear it there. But thank you for being out this morning. It is not pleasant when you get up and get ready to go out in the morning, is it? And you're there like, whew. But we're headed out there. It's nice and warm in here, and it's great that you come together to see your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and to worship him together this morning here. Um, My thanks to Curtis. He did an absolutely tremendous job uh, as he came up and led through communion, sharing his testimony. Um, What a a great testimony. Uh, Many of you in here would have a similar testimony of somebody that cared for and somebody that reached out and somebody that continued to care and reach out to you as you as you went through your walk, as you went through your following, as you went through your calling, I guess I should say it that way, of God of a God who just continually came and reached out to you. Um, what what a what a great testimony, what a great way to share your faith in Jesus Christ and what God has done in our lives today. Well, this morning I have the opportunity to share, a, share really just a one-part message, a message that is a, a series of one. Next week, we're going to bump into a new series in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, last week, we finished that you were freaking out part, right? How many of you were freaking out? Those of you that know Brett, I guess he was freaking out a little bit last Sunday morning. He and I had a discrepancy in the scheduling. Um, he lost. I guess I win. <laughs> Poor him. Um, I, so I, I don't think he told you guys, I don't know that he told everybody this uh, last week. So if you are new here this week and you weren't here that last week, I'm sorry to say this to you. But Brett texted me last week at about uh, just shortly after 10. We had just finished our first service down at Conklin. And um, he texted me and said, hey, are you speaking here this morning? And my response back to Brett was, I certainly hope not. Or I wasn't planning on it. That was about, that was shortly after 10, so your service had already started here. Later on in the day, I actually texted him and said, hey, were you just being smart with me? Because um, I was looking back through, I, you, you know, you go into that panic mode yourself, did I, what did I mess up, right? So uh, a little bit later, I texted him back and said, Brett, did, were you just being smart with me on that? Did you, uh, did, were you just trying to pick on me? He's like, no, no, I actually thought you were. And his comment was this, all went well, God was gracious, I spoke with peace on peace. 
The grace of God. I say that every week when people talk to me. I think if you've talked to me, I will always, always say, God is gracious. Um, and that he allows me to speak and that he provides me a brain that works up here long enough to put together a couple of thoughts that work. Hopefully string together a couple of thoughts that work. But our God is gracious with us. So this morning, in this series that we're going to look at, I, I want to encourage you in your own life. You see, one of the things that we believe here at Bridgewater, right, is that what? We want to reach other people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Why do we put a carnation up here? We put a carnation up here to remind each one of us that we have a God that is reaching out, a God that is reaching out to serve, all right? And he uses us to go and to serve others and to reach out and reach to others. And we are so thankful for that, that we have a God that does that for us. And we just want to say thank you to him as he leads us through this. Um, each one of us, each one of us has the opportunity that we could go and that there is somebody that we could reach with the good news of Jesus Christ, right? How is it that you are willing to go about? How is it that you are willing to go along? Who is the someone that you can reach for Jesus Christ? That is what we want to look at this morning. That is the idea as to what we want to go for this morning of who is that someone in your life that you can continue to reach out to for Christ, that you can continue to reach out to serve and look for opportunities to serve and share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So how far is it? How far would you go to save someone you love? It's been 13 years since Captain Sullenberger landed a plane in the east branch of the Hudson River. Can you believe that? Those of you that remember that, that day, um, it was 13 years ago this past January. I believe January 15th was the date or 16th, somewhere in that range there, that we heard about a plane that, was, that had crashed or that had landed in the Hudson River. Um, planes don't normally land in rivers, especially large air buses, especially planes with 155 passengers on it, right? They don't land in rivers, and when they do, the reports that we get back are not good. And yet Captain Sullenberger, in an amazing way, went all the way to landing a plane in a river, what? To save the people that he was responsible for. An amazing story, an amazing thing that took place there. As a matter of fact, what was it? The tugboats from all around went over to the plane to help rescue the passengers on that plane. All 155 passengers on that plane saved. Why? Because of the great thinking, because of the quick, quick thinking of a captain that was flying and because of the desire of those nearby to realize that there were people that needed rescued. And the boats came and they rescued every one of those individuals. Not an individual lost on a plane that lands in a river after it loses power because it hits a flock of seals, I guess, or, or whatever the birds were that it hit. An amazing story. An amazing story of, of, of a hero doing what it is that he can do to save people around him. Each one of us has a story that we know of a, of a hero. You, you may know, you may have a, something that pops into your mind as soon as you think of who is a hero in your life. Who is somebody that, that reached out? Who is somebody that was able to reach out and, and reach to you? Or to someone around you, heroes. 
was part of a funeral this week of a, of a hero. It was just an everyday mom that raised her daughter, that brought her up in this world, and yet she was a hero to her daughter, a hero to her grandchildren, a hero to her great-grandchildren. Nothing fabulous, no great story, nothing where we're going to read it on the front page of any newspaper or see it anywhere in any headline, but rather the life of an individual that was a hero to those around them. And so many of you in here, you have the opportunity to be that as well to those that are around you. We have the opportunity to be people who will save those that are around each one of us. So how far would you go? How far would you go to save someone you love. This morning we're going to be taking a look at the book of Acts. We're going to be taking a look through some verses in the book of Acts, and I would encourage if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Acts chapter 13. If not, that's perfectly fine. The words of it are going to be up here on the screen as well for you to see. But we are going to take a look at some passages in the book of Acts, and we're going to go through the story of some individuals who decided how far is it that they are willing to go to see the lives of people, to see those around them, to see individuals that will be saved as a result of their ministry, as a result of them reaching out to those that, that are there and around them. The early church. As a matter of fact, I'll just let you know the story that we are looking at this morning takes place right around 46 A.D., that is roughly, roughly in the neighborhood, a little about roughly 13 years, somewhere in that range there, as to how 13, 14 years, as into when from when Christ has died, been buried, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. So it is early on in the in the growth of the church. And the church is starting to spread like wildfire around the then known world. Why? Because they are proclaiming this gospel of a risen Savior, and people are responding to it. Why is anybody responding to the idea of a risen Savior? That seems so strange that anybody would, would respond to that, right? And yet individuals are traveling around the world. They're proclaiming this guy named Jesus, who was the Messiah, who came, who was a Jewish rabbi. He was crucified, and yet he rose again. And somehow, in the midst of all that is taking place there, the story continues to grow, and it continues to move forward. And the reason it continues to move forward is not because it's legend and people want to believe it, but rather because of the work of God in the lives of his people there. Because individuals saw their friend, Jesus, crucified. They saw him beaten. They saw him hung on a cross. They saw him put in a tomb. And what they knew is they saw that when they went there that following Sunday morning, they walked in, they saw that the tomb was empty, and they met him later. They had breakfast with him on the beach. They have a Savior who rose him, and our story who had risen again. And our story this morning is going to be about a man named Paul, who, guess what? He was somebody that was there persecuting that early church, who was saying, no, this isn't true. What you guys are saying is false. It's a lie. I'm not going to let you continue to do it, and I am going to persecute, and I am going to kill those who are proclaiming this. I don't want that to happen. And yet, miraculously, God appeared to him on his way to persecute more churches, all right, to persecute more Christians, to persecute more of the followers of the way, as it was called at that time. God miraculously appeared to him. And when he appeared to him, Paul's life was changed. He went from being an enemy of the church to being somebody who would continually proclaim 
the good news of the church. And when we get to Acts chapter 13, there is a transition that has taken place in the early church. You see, early on, the church had always been proclaiming to the local Jewish synagogues. They'd been proclaiming. As a matter of fact, that's even where they do it first here in chapter 13. But because it had been pretty much a Jewish faith. Why? Because Jesus was a Jewish Messiah. So they continued to proclaim. And a few Gentiles outside, Gentiles being anybody that was not Jewish. So when you hear me say Gentile this morning, I'm referring to anybody that is not Jewish, all right? That is who the scripture would be referencing when they talk about that. But when we get to Acts chapter 13, they've been going out and they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And they're proclaiming it in synagogues after synagogue each week. And when they get there, the people are believing. There are some that are believing. There are some that are scratching their heads wondering what it is that you're talking about. And as we get down, by by the way, the message that Paul would give, he would go all the way through Old Testament scripture with them, basically. He'd start back with our father Abraham, and he would move forward. And he'd talk about a little bit about David, and he'd move forward and talk about a little bit about the prophets. And he would move forward, and he would talk about this individual named Jesus who came, who the who was walked with people, with who walked with his disciples and others, who many of them at that time may have known, had seen. All right. And he talks about the fact that he was crucified, buried. And rose again, and people believed. So when we get to Acts chapter 13, and when we get to this verse, right, we're gonna we're gonna pick it up here uh, in verse uh, in verse 42, and we're gonna take a look here. And as a matter of fact, it's gonna be right up on the screen here for us. But in Acts chapter four, in Acts chapter 13, verse 42, we're told this as Paul and Barnabas. We're leaving the synagogue. All right, so it's Paul and Barnabas. The words right up here, we're leaving the synagogue. The people invited them. They invited them to, uh, to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. So they were so interested in what they had said this, this, Sabbath, this Sabbath in the, in the temple that they said, hey, come on back next week. We want you back next week at the Sabbath as well to, on the Sabbath to proclaim what it is that you have been teaching to us today. And when, the the next verse continues on by saying this, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and the devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. These people, as they're leaving out, they are still talking to them more and more. And what happened on the next Sabbath? Um, Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Think about the situation here. This is so big that it has become that the whole city is joining together to come out to hear the word of the Lord, to hear Paul and Barnabas as they teach. Why? Because they're interested, because what they have said has touched them, it has caught them. Apparently it's not the same teaching that they hear every week. And they've said, we want to be here. Our lives want to be changed as a result of this. When the Jews saw that the crowds were following, right? When the Jews saw that the crowds, that they were filled with, they were filled with jealousy, right? The Jews see this. And as a result of all these crowds that are coming to hear them, they are filled with jealousy. They begin to contradict what Paul was saying. And they heaped abuse on him, right? So they hear it. Those that are around, jealousy sets in. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. 
right? What are Paul and Barnabas saying? They're taking a look and saying, listen, if you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. We don't mind. We're going to take the message to those that will listen. If you Jews want to just continue to be a hindrance, if you want to be harmful, if you want to continue to say, hey, we don't believe it, if you want to be more than that and difficult, that's fine. But we're going to take the word of Jesus Christ, the word of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are going to take it to others in this world. We're going to continue to share the gospel. For this is what the Lord, uh, this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Salvation to the ends of the earth. We're going to come back and pick that verse up a little bit and a little bit as well. Salvation to the ends of the earth. That is how important this message is that we share. When the Gentiles heard this, the God-fearing women, when the God, excuse me, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. You see, as they hear this, lives are changed. The power of God, the ability that he has to change the lives of those around him. God goes to work in the lives of people, and he changes their life. Why? Because God is in the business of reaching down and grabbing onto everyday people like you and me and changing our hearts, changing us from those sinners that we talked about to sinners who are forgiven. Sinners who are saved by the grace of God. You see, in your life and my life, we aren't just mistakers. We aren't just people who occasionally get it wrong. Oh, that's just a mistake in my life. But rather, we are individuals who have sinned against a holy God. And the message that Paul brought, the message that Paul brought was a message of forgiveness, that there is a Savior that came to forgive you of your sins so that your life could be changed. However, as they continue to do this, look what happens. But the Jewish, but the Jewish leaders incited God-fearing women of, of uh, high standing and, the, and, the, and, leading, and of the leading men of that time, right, of the city. And what did they do? They stirred up persecution, persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from that region. What is it they want to do? They want to incite. They want to incite those that are around them. They want to reach out and they want to cause division. They want to cause problems. And they want to say, hey, we are going to stir up dissension and trouble for you. And in the midst of this dissension that is stirred up against Paul and Barnabas, what happens? How about for you and I? In the midst of a situation like this, are you and I, are we willing to take on people in power? It might not mean that we have to take on our government because we still have freedoms to share the faith that we have. But maybe it's influential people around us. Who are the influential people around you and me? Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's, am I, am I willing to rock the boat a little bit with my friends and challenge them in their faith and challenge them in what it is they believe? Am I willing to rock the boat just a little bit with some of the influential people around me when they stir up and they say, you know what? 
You're just like all those other Christians. Are we willing to talk about our faith and share, yes, I, I am like other Christians. I'm forgiven of my sins. Far from perfect, but forgiven. That is what I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul and Barnabas, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of scorn, in the midst of being mocking, something that I find difficult, right? If somebody wants to mock me for my faith, it can be so difficult. You see, it's easy to proclaim and come and stand in front of people in a church. It's not always easy when you have people that don't always hold to your beliefs. It's not always easy when you don't have people that are curious, that are wondering what is that church about? Maybe that's why you're here this morning, because you're like, I, I'm curious. I want to know. I have some friends that go there, and they talk well about it. I, I want to go. I want to see what, what is being done there, what is taking place there. Are we willing? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to take on a scorn? Are we willing to take on the difficulties of the people around us on occasion? By no means do I mean stirring up trouble. I am not that at all. I am talking about when it becomes difficult for us and we just kind of back away, just a little bit back, take a couple steps back, and I become fearful of sharing my faith because I'm not sure what my friends will think of me. I'm not sure what my boss will think of me. I'm not sure what those that are around me, my neighbors, might think of me. So I just take a step back. That's what I mean when I ask that question. The writer of the book of Acts continues on, and he says this. So they shook off the dust of their feet as a warning to them and went on to Iconium. That is what Paul and Barnabas did. All right, you don't want to hear us? You don't want to hear us anymore? We're going to shake off the dust of our feet. They're walking along. We're going to kick the dust off. What is that? It's just a way of marking, hey, it's all on you. You want, you, you want to keep it this way? Here you go. We're leaving we're continuing on. In chapter 14, they do continue on. Chapter 14, verse 1 says this, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. The same thing occurs again, right? They speak so effectively. They do so well that there's a great number of people that come on and they believe. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers, right? What do they do? They stir up, ah, we don't believe this, so we're going to stir up trouble again for Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas spent a considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Think about what is taking place in the lives of Paul and Barnabas. They are there, and as they speak, lives are being changed. Transformation is taking place. But people are coming up and saying, no, don't believe that. If you have been part of a church for any amount of time in your life, you know that we can be very good at that as believers, right? Stirring up dissension, stirring up trouble. And it's one of the things that we fight against continually, correct? Because we don't want to be a part of that. We want to avoid it. And yet there are those that will. They want to stir up dissension. They want to stir up trouble. They want to bring things on. So we can understand what's taking place here with them. But Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas continued on. And God gave them the power to perform signs and wonders. Wow, don't some of us wish we had that opportunity today. To perform signs and wonders and say, here, you want a bad mouth? You want to do whatever? No, but the grace of God. 
is still at work in our lives. There was a plot that becomes so big that there becomes a plot against them. Um, the, you see, the, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and others with the apostles. And from there, there was a plot that they came up to, that they came upon as well, right? And this plot among the Gentiles and the Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and to stone them. So the plot comes against Paul and Barnabas. And what do we want to do? We're so tired of them. We're so tired of hearing them proclaim this that we are going to take them out and we are going to stone them. But what happens? But they found out about it and fled for Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. In the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the setbacks, in the midst of everybody reaching out and trying to grab on and knock everything that they down, that they are doing, they continue to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because how far are they willing to go to save those that are around them? They were willing to put up with the ridicule. They were willing to put up with the scorn. They were willing to put up with the difficulties. Look what took place in this next, uh, in this next verse. I'm jumping all the way down to verse 19 here in chapter 14. Then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. That's how serious the situation had become. It's, it's that serious that they stone him, they drag him out, thinking, believing that he is dead. The difficulties of that. How far is it that you and I are willing to go to save someone? I don't know that I'm willing to be stoned, right? Are you willing to be stoned for it? Paul, they, they considered it joy. I want to jump back and take a look again at one of the verses that we looked at earlier. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This is why they were willing to do what it is that they were doing because they believed that they were made, that they were called to bring salvation to the ends of the of the earth. They viewed it as that important that people needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ to have their lives changed, to have their lives transformed by the power of God. Paul and Barnabas. Wow. What great examples they are in, a, in your life and in my life for us to live by. Wow. Why? Because God had called them and he had commanded them to do that. You see, when the Gentiles heard this, taking a look at the next verse as well, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Think about it. They were glad in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the persecutions. They were glad. And the word of the Lord continued to spread throughout the whole region. Right? The word of God continues to spread. How about you and I? Are we willing? Are you and I, are, are, are we willing to bring salvation to those in need? 
Are we willing to do that? Look at this next chart that we have right here. This chart is a chart of the major religions across the world. And as you go through this chart of the major religions in the world, and you can just forward right through the whole thing, it's going to show right there. Where is, where is Sikh? Sikhs, almost all Asia. The rest, of the, the, rest of the, the rest of the religions in Asia make up less than 10%. Uh, um, how about Buddhist? It's, it's, almost, it's almost all, it's Buddhist, all in Asia as well. The Hindu religion, almost all in Asia as well. The Muslim religion, in Asia and Africa, right? In the rest of the world, it's in a little bit. And yet over here, where is Christianity? Christianity is all around the world. It is on every continent in the world. Hopefully, um, it took me a few minutes to understand that, um, that graph as I was looking at it as well. But as you look at that, just think of that. Sikhism, all right there. Asia. So in one continent, the rest of the world, it's just barely in the rest of the world. Um, Buddhist, same thing, all in Asia, just that little percentage up there at the top. Hinduism, all in Asia, just that little bit up there at the top is in the rest of the world. Muslim, all right, I'll take, just take outside um, Asia and Africa, and yet Christianity, where we think the Christian religion is stopping, where we think Christianity is struggling, it is the one religion, the one religion that is all around the world today. It has representative, all right, in Asia it's in Africa, it's in Europe, it's in South America, it's in North America. Christianity is growing. So oftentimes we view it because we live in the United States of America and we see the dying part of it and we seem to think, oh, it's just not strong. And yet Christianity continues to grow. Look at this next, look at this next um, slide as well. This, next, this is a pie graph just showing that we are almost to the ends of the earth. The Bible the Bible is translated. In 79, 79% of all the languages in the world have the entire Bible. 11 more, add on 11% more, they have just the New Testament. Look at that, 6% have some of the Bible. Um, 1% is they're still in progress. And 2% of the world is not yet started yet. Do you see the word of God is traveling around the world in their own languages? We have the Bible, it is opportunity. By the way, one of the things that they are hoping um, is, is that they will have it in every language, or at least parts of it in every language, by 2025, four years away. One of the amazing things about this is um, the U version of the Bible, or even online editions of the Bible, make, the make this process moving so quick that the Word of God is able to reach around and into the lives of people. It's an amazing thing. 97% of the world's languages have some portion of the Bible, not even close a hundred years ago, not even close. And there are people that are working still to translate, to get the Bible into the language of people. Are you willing, are you willing to bring salvation to those in need? Are you and I willing to do it? Are we willing to be those people who will continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? Look at this, uh, this next slide, it talks about Ruth rising. Take a, take a look at this. Ruth Rising, right here from, from, from what used to be Ross Corners Baptist Church, part of, the, part of the mission here of Vestal Bridgewater. Ruth Rising, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to individuals in South Africa. 
Let's continue on to our next one. We're just going to go through these rather quickly right here as we look right here. What do we have? We have the opportunity to reach families by becoming a partner um, with families in Guatemala. That is one of the things that Bridgewater does. We partner with these villages in Guatemala in order to share what the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. As we continue forward into our next slide, we want to take a look at this one as well. Right, Jake, Jake Bonner, he has hope for Cora, the poorest of the poor in Ethiopia. He is working there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people there. As we move forward again onto our next onto our next one here, right? The Niles, they have the medical hospital in Togo, West Africa, reaching to serve those in need of medical care. As we continue forward, look at these individuals that we that we partner with. The Simmons, the persecuted in India, reaching out and sharing the hope of Jesus Christ that we have with them. Look at our next slide here. As we continue forward right here, the Meltons, they do a camp ministry in Japan. Why? Because they view sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with the individuals there. Jump forward to our next slide as well as we talk about Christy Walker sharing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with teens in Germany. That is what we want to be about. And moving forward again, Onto our, onto our next one. The developed, they were working with police and firefighters in Ecuador. Jump down to South America where we have the Douglas, Steve and Debbie Douglas and their families that are working with churches in Peru. They just gave a report to the church down in Conklin um, just uh, at the end of last year, November time frame of last year, given a report of the churches that they have, that they have planted in Peru in their careers. It was an amazing number. It was in the 70s or 80s, the number of churches that they are involved in and plants down there, changing the lives of people. And then think about this. Just this past, uh, just back in December, we were able to give a gift as Bridgewater Church to, uh, to the crisis pregnancy centers here in our area, one down in uh, the crisis pregnancy area, um, down in our CareNet crisis pregnancies down in Pennsylvania, and to the Life Choice Center here in our Binghamton area in Broome County. You see, we're able to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with those around us. I opened with the story of Captain Sullivan, and I've gone over, and let me close with this story right here. Arland D. Williams, Jr. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with that name. There are a number of you, if you're my age or older, that number's less and less. I'm old. Good, thank you for not laughing at that. I'm young. See, that's better, right? Arland D. Williams, Jr. Anybody in here familiar with that name or familiar with that date, January 13th, 1982? It's another instant of a plane, and it's in Washington, D.C. It was a snowy, wintry day in Washington. When Air, uh, Air Florida Flight 90 took off, it had ice build up, and it was never able to gain the power to take off. And back there on that icy, stormy day, it crashed into, I believe it's the 14th, what used to be the 14th Street Bridge in Washington, D.C. 75 passengers on board. 70 of them died, along with a few that were on, uh, on the ground as well. I believe it was four that were on the bridge that died as well. Arlen D. Williams Jr. was one of six that were holding on to the fuselage of the back of the plane as it was sticking up out of the Potomac after it had crashed into that. 
And people were running around. What do we do? It's a frozen Potomac River. There's ice all around and there's snow and it's uh, just conditions are horrible there. They're running around. How do we reach down? How do we save these six people that are at least there? And how do we get in to look for others? The water is so freezing. And a, a, a helicopter from nearby parks quickly came into action, dropping down a, a life preserver. One by one, they were able to get, grab onto those individuals. Arlen D. Williams Jr. was seen. As a matter of fact, we, we watched this on TV. If you were, uh, some of you will remember watching it. But he was one of the individuals that kept passing the lifeline to one of the other people. He passed it on, passed it on. And finally, there was one last woman that was trying to swim away too shore, and they dropped down and they scooped her up. He had passed on this opportunity to be saved. And in passing on the opportunity to be saved, when they came back to get him, he had gone under. Arland D. Williams, Jr., passed away that day. Why? Because he sought to see it save other people first. And his life gone as an individual who saved others. Many of you in here, you would do the same for those around you that you love. You may do the same in, a, in an instance where, where you had the opportunity to reach out to others. How far would we go to reach those who are in need of Jesus Christ? On your seat today as you came in, there's a card there. There's a couple of cards there. I want to encourage you to grab onto that card. Because one of the things that we believe is that we want to be people that are praying, investing, and inviting those that are around us. Because we believe that there is a hope in Jesus Christ. Will we go to the ends of the earth? How about will we bow our knee in prayer for those around us? I'd encourage you to take those cards. Be thankful for those that serve in ministries all around the world. But be reminded that we have the opportunity to reach to those that are right here near us. Grab that card. Maybe there's three names that you're already praying for. Put them down on that. Continue to pray for them. If there are people, if you're there like, gee whiz, I, I struggle to think of three people that need Christ. Start building your friendships with people that don't always know Christ and be praying for them. But pray. Invest. Look for opportunities to share with them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And then let me encourage you. Invite them at some point. Invite them to church. Invite them to put their faith and trust in Christ. Share your testimony of your life being changed. Pray with me if you would, please. God, as we close our time together this morning, I say thank you, Lord, for the individuals that are here. I pray, God, that you would bless and encourage us in our walk, in our lives. May we desire to follow you, Lord. May we desire to love you. May we desire to live for you. But Lord, may we take a look at these that are an example for us. So many of the missionaries that we went through so quickly that go and serve in other parts of the world to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God, individuals, each one of us, come to mind heroes in our lives that have given up their lives for others. 
Greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their life for their friend, for another man. And Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave up his life for a world, a world of sinners. God, I pray that you would bless, that you would encourage, that you would strengthen those of us here that are believers in Jesus Christ. And God, if there is somebody here this morning that is still wondering, God, may you work in their heart and in their mind in ways that we cannot to draw them unto yourself. God, I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless and encourage each one here. May we have a week to honor you, to bring glory to you. May we look for opportunities to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with those names that come to our mind. I pray this in Jesus' name.